Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercastle. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps new listeners find us. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome Show and paying nothing for it, do me a favor. Head over to iTunes. Give us 30 seconds of your time and please give us a great review. Today's review is all the way from Italy, and it is entitled The Tome is Cool, and it comes from Magnificat17. Magnificat17 says, Possibly the best podcast on RPGs around, The Tome boasts reviews, discussions, interviews, and links to other cool stuff. A must for every RPG player, in particular D&D, any edition. Well, thank you so much, Magnificant17. That is an awesome name, and I hope you are living it up over there in Italy. Sounds lovely. Uh, We need some more five-star reviews, so please head on over to iTunes and give us a great review. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the banners for Amazon or the DMs Guild and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, NobleKnight.com. They're a brick and mortar game store where out of print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. My product pick from Noble Knight for this episode is a Cthulhu miniature that looks awesome from Impact Miniatures. Uh, Cthulhu, if you don't know him, uh, you are lucky. Uh, He is a giant dragon-squid hybrid elder god uh, from the mind of Lovecraft that is awesome awesome. Uh, This mini, uh, mini in quotes because it's pretty big for mini, uh, is in mint condition, is available for $24.95, a giant Cthulhu mini for less than 30 bucks from NobleKnight.com. There's a direct link to this Cthulhu mini on Noble Knight over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Let's hear a quick word from NobleKnight.com. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. All right, everybody, today we are talking about two things in the pop culture zeitgeist that relate to D&D. The first is Harmon Quest, Dan Harmon's show on CISO, uh, where he and a bunch of comedians play D&D together. Uh, and then we are going to talk about Stranger Things. This one is by popular demand. A lot of people asked if we were going to talk about this. Uh, if you are concerned about spoilers for either of these things, uh, we are probably going to get into at least some minor spoilers. Uh, So this is your warning. But before we do that, let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. Our get-to-know-you question is, 
What celebrity would you like to see guest star on Harmontown, and what race class combination would you like to see them play? Let's start with my good friend and Gen Con traveling companion, Rudy Basso. So I'm a huge fan of Andy Daly, who is probably most known right now for his show Review on Comedy Central. But, interesting uh, side note, he was on a pilot uh, for Comedy Central several years ago that was them playing Dungeons and Dragons. And he yeah, played a now. wizard. Uh, yeah, it was a pilot. That was a thing? Um, yeah, he wow. said it went really well and he expected it to get picked up. And kind of comedians were on, I don't know if they actually played the game, but they would like pretend to be characters, maybe NPCs or members of the party. And it didn't get picked up. But Thomas Lennon came up to him afterwards and was like, that was really funny. Would you like to be on Reno 911? So, <laughs> uh, uh, so it worked little, out for him. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of trivia. Great for Andy Daly. But I would love for him to be that wizard that was apparently so impressive to Thomas Lennon on Harmon Quest. I think he's the funniest person in the world. I'm going to throw that out there. Sorry, Vegas. And um, <laughs> I wow. would love to see him on our Harmon Quest. Sick burn, man. I like Vegas. He's funny, too. But, oh, sorry. Wow. Not that funny, apparently. <laughs> Not the no funniest Andy person Taylor. in the world, but pretty funny. Uh, well, why don't we throw it over to Alex Basso, who is also with us. Alex Basso, who do you want to see on Harmon Quest? I would love to see Stephen Colbert play a, yes. Uh, yes. a wizard Oh, that's character. So good. I don't really care what race, but I know he's always like he's a big Lord of the Rings nerd, and he always tries to like flex his knowledge. I've seen him, you know, have like quiz offs with people. So play him as like some sort of like lore master, librarian type character in Harmon Quest, and you know he could just make up a ton of stuff, and it'll be really funny. So Stephen Colbert, plus he'd be probably the biggest name of uh, all the guests. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. He'd be another um, level. Nope. <laughs> oh wait, who on this? Nathan Who Fillion? is bigger than Stephen Colbert? Uh, Nathan Fillion, you're right. He's pretty big. Maybe? I don't you know. You think so? Nope. Who watches Castle? Who? Aubrey Plaza? My special guest star would be oh. the biggest star on Harmon Quest. Oh, yes. Yeah. Gregory Blair back at the round table. Nice to have you back, Greg. Who is this mystery star? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh. All right. I find this man... You know, I always thought The Rock was pretty cool, but interviews and stuff, he's really funny, and he's got good comedic timing. Just as an example of this, look up him and Kevin Hart interviewing each other, impersonating each other. So <laughs> it's really good. He actually does a really good Kevin Hart. So I would love to see The Rock play. This was kind of a coin flip. I couldn't decide either something super kind of typecasty in terms of like – crazy barbarian or something see how he kind of do does really impulsive or like a pacifist cleric something along those lines one of the two i couldn't couldn't really decide probably an elf by the way though because i think you could have fun with that but i would love to see the rock on harmon quest uh i mean i think everybody would like to see the rock on harmon quest that would be pretty awesome so yeah, I, I fully endorse that. Uh, I fully endorse Stephen Colbert as well, and uh, and of course I fully endorse Andy Daly. Uh, Rudy, for a moment before you said that, I thought you were going to say Andy Dick, and I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. Uh, but I love Andy Daly. Uh, so great, great calls. Uh, Vegas Lancaster, 
what you got? Yeah, man, I am uh, on episode four of the show I just finished, and I'm looking at Wikipedia, and I cannot wait to see John Hodgman on episode six. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, but on the people who are not actually on the show already, uh, my favorite D&D celebrity, Vin Diesel. Ah, oh, I'd love to see that guy play D&D. Because he loves playing D&D. <laughs> he does. I would cast him as like an elf bard. <laughs> what about the witch hunter? That's his class. Well, how does he love playing Pathfinder? Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. That, that, oh, good oh. point. Good point. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, basically D&D. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, a good jumping off point to really start our discussion about Harmon Quest. Dan Harmon, uh, who you may know as the creator of Community, of Rick and Morty, um, has worked uh, on all kinds of TV shows, worked on the Sarah Silverman program, uh, very funny writer, very funny guy. He's got a podcast called Harmontown in which he plays a few minutes of D&D every episode. Uh, then they, uh, so this show is part animated, part uh, them sitting around a table with an audience around. Uh, the driving force is this DM named Spencer, uh, who he just picked out of the crowd of one of his shows. If you watch the Harmontown documentary, um, you'll you'll have a lot of information uh, about that if you if you go check it out, Spencer is one of the central figures of that. The cool thing uh, about this is it is people playing Pathfinder, um, and the only reason you would know that is because there is a shot of a Pathfinder book in the first episode. Um, <laughs> and, and occasionally here and there throughout the rest of the series. Uh, it is a very loose uh, game as far as rules and mechanics go. Uh, they're mostly there to entertain, and for my money, uh, I think they do a really, really good job of it. So the, so the cast includes... Dan Harmon. Uh, there's uh, Spencer Crittenden, who is his game master. Uh, Jeff Brian Davis, uh, who plays Bone Weevil. Uh, he's also sort of Dan Harmon's sidekick uh, in Harmontown, uh, and you would recognize him. Uh, he's been in a lot of other things. He's a that guy actor. Um, he did a lot of Who's Line work. I believe, um, and Aaron McGathy, who was uh, used to be married to Dan Harmon, is no longer uh, married. Um, and then a rotating sort of comedian guest spot. Uh, there's people, Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec, uh, John Hodgman, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Thomas Middleditch uh, makes an appearance. There's all, all kinds of uh, great comedians who are part of this. So anyway, uh, Rudy, you are the one who first uh, brought up that we should do this podcast. Uh, and we have reassembled the original Roundtable crew. Now the uh, hosts of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Vegas and Greg. Don't. Um, so, uh, James, so, you are and always will be my hero. <laughs> uh, so, Rudy, why don't you talk about this first? Uh, what do you think about Harmon Quest? I love it. I think it's so fun. Um, I think that the comedians, for the most part, are really good and, and really into it. I, uh, I think Jeff Davis is incredible as Bone Weevil. I think he is a revelation and really seems to be great at the game. Uh, and I just, I think the animation is a lot of fun and very silly. I like that Spencer is constantly showing up as Spencer in the animation just to kind of say some things. 
<laughs> I don't think it's done. Like anyone watching, unfortunately, will not learn how to play the game at all. Really, uh, the only person who tries to use their skills, I feel like, is Thomas Middleditch, who is apparently <laughs> a giant Gerps fan. So it makes sense to me that he's being like crunchy. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! <but, laughs> Whoa! I'm offended. Nah. All right. Fine. Sorry. <laughs> But um, I, I think it's great, and I'm trying to push it to all my friends to check out because at the end of the day, you know, you, you can kind of push the mechanics aside if you want to introduce someone to Dungeons & Dragons or to this hobby in general. The easiest way to say it is, like, it's an interactive storytelling game, and that's how Dan Harmon introduces it a lot of the times uh, at the beginning of each episode. It's just interactive storytelling, and this is exactly that. So I, I think it's great. Uh, I think everyone should watch it. I think it's a lot of fun. There's one thing I want to address, which is you said you didn't think it would teach people how to play the role-playing game. And I think from a mechanic standpoint, that is true. But That's there are what still I, yeah. so many people who don't know what an RPG is or how it's played. Yes. That I, I think this would give you that basic idea, right? Absolutely. I don't think that someone will understand how to do an attack right. from the show. Yeah. Or, I mean, he, he'll say, oh, you roll of this, you hit. But I don't think they mention armor class once. I don't know. Maybe sometimes <laughs> someone goes, oh, yeah, 17 hits me. But mm -hmm. you won't really learn, like, the nitty-gritty of how to play Pathfinder from this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, and I uh, honestly, I don't know that most of the cast actually knows. I think Spencer is... Uh, yeah. is yeah, uh, doing ever all of the math. Uh, <laughs> uh, Greg? Yeah, I would... I think you would totally learn how to play an RPG from this. Even just the, the first episode, um, which is the only one I've seen because I don't have CISO or whatever. Uh, but they, at one point they break down. It's like, wait wait a minute. Can he just say whatever's happening and break down? It's like, oh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So they, they, they establish kind of the narrative, like how, how agency works and, and who kind of controls what's actually real or not in the game. You know, they, they talk about what they want to do and how it succeeds. You know, even if the, the actual little bits of crunch aren't there, you would totally learn how to play an RPG from this, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that you, you would get the basics, and I think Rudy is, is definitely in agreement about that. But yeah, you're not yeah. going to learn how to play Pathfinder perfectly from this. Um, so why don't we turn now to Vegas? Uh, Vegas, um, you sent me a text message earlier saying that you really uh, enjoyed Harmon Quest. Um, you are, <laughs> as we all know, an improv comedian among other uh, many, many talents. Uh, so what is it about Harmon Quest? And I would also say you're probably a a comedy uh, snob, uh, and I mean that in a good <laughs> way. You know what I mean? Like, you, you because wow. you uh, do comedy so often, you look at it with a more critical eye than many people do. Um, so what is it about Harmon, Harmon Quest that you like so much? Yeah, well, I'll elaborate on that text message. I said I'm happy to finally review something that I liked. <laughs> Um, because wow, D &D, VNG jab, look at that. Yes, yeah, yeah. sorry to the games that we've played on DD VNG so far. Uh, Stronghold, oh. But, oh boy, but yeah, man, Harmon Quest is great, and I did not expect it to be. Uh, I love playing DD, and I don't love the idea of watching other people play <laughs> tabletop games. Uh, I know there's lots of 
YouTube series and things like that that are based on that premise. And I've always thought that sounds way more boring than actually playing the game. Um, Harmon Quest does a few things really well. Uh, first of all, everyone on it is really funny, which is great. There's a lot of like alternative comedy heroes like Paul F. Tompkins and John Hodgman that are on it. That gets me real excited. I was actually excited to finally have an excuse to subscribe to CISO, um, (laughs) which is the streaming service that Harmon Quest is hosted on. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a live audience for the show and hearing their laughter makes me feel like I'm there and really puts me in the mood for laughing. Right, just uh, like the, the Big Bang Theory. Well, and that's very <laughs> different. Well, this is not a video podcast, but my face is Canned grumpy. laughter feels grumpy. horrible and makes me hate television, <laughs> but a real, a real genuine studio audience, uh, I really like the feeling of that. Uh, and Harmon Quest has that in spades. Hold on, Vegas. I just need to... For for the uh, for the people out there who are probably thinking this right now, um, the Big Bang Theory is actually recorded in front of a studio audience, uh, and so the laughter you hear when you are watching it is not a canned laughter laugh track. That is an actual audience uh, laughing. I'm sure it is sweetened, uh, and uh, you know they they have a pump up comedian, but those three camera comedies are still shot like in front of an audience. You're welcome, CBS. Yes, yeah, so all those. <laughs> All those rounds of laughter, they're all laughing at you. No, but what they do is, like, the sound engineers take that laughter, and like you said, they sweeten it, and they cut it off early, and it doesn't sound like naturalistic laughter, because I think it really isn't, um, but uh, it sounds like a real audience laughing at the jokes at Harmon Quest, because it is. Uh, agreed. Uh, it sounds much more natural. It's uh, it's overlapping with dialogue, and you know, um, there the, it it comes in very different waves. It's not like the same sort of three laughs over and over again. Uh, yeah, it it really puts you there. It is an immersive laughter. Yeah, show's great. Why do you think that uh, you prefer this form of watching? people play a role-playing oh. game as opposed to other things that maybe didn't interest you as much. The the editing is so good. Like, they just... You were saying, oh, you're never going to learn crunch or mechanics from this game. That's because they cut all that crap out. It's, you know... <laughs> they show you a whole session in a 24-minute episode, and I imagine the actual session that they're playing probably takes, like, an hour or 90 minutes or so. Um, but the finished product is tight. It's tight and it still feels organic, and it's just a really well-crafted show. And the animation that goes along with the show is also really well-produced, I think. Well, I can yeah. hear Greg screaming on the other side of the line. Uh, go ahead, Greg. I'm, I'm super curious, actually. This is something that I wanted to ask. Maybe you guys have a little more info than I do. It, how much... I assumed that there was some amount of editing, and I, you know, I was just curious how if anyone knows how long they play for and how much they edited it down yeah yeah i've done okay. one of the interviews they said it was an hour it was an hour long yeah because it is that is the production on this show is incredibly good the animations are very nice i think they do a great job of illuminating kind of some of the silly things that are going on and and making it a lot of fun 
and the editing, I'm going to go along with Vegas, is really good. I just wasn't sure to what extent they were going with it. But I love the animation. It's so good. It adds such a great element to it because it would be not as fun seeing them just sitting around a table. It, and they really do get creative, you know, with the appearances of the characters. Rudy, you mentioned, right, like Spencer shows up sometimes. Um, and uh, and Will, when they say, like, oh, is this here? He'll, an animated Spencer shows up on screen and, you know, yeah. will throw a couple children in the area if somebody asks if there's children. And he says, oh, yeah, you know, or, or that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of visual humor to the animation that adds to the actual yeah. discussion. And um, sometimes things will happen that have nothing to do with the conversation. It's just a funny little moment that you might notice if you're paying attention to in the background. Agreed. It's great. Yeah, totally. It's great. Yeah. I think I think I would like this show as a comedy, even if I had never played D&D or Pathfinder or a tabletop game, mm-hmm. um, which is a real feat for uh, filming a tabletop game and making a show out of it. Well, you know what? I'm glad you uh, you brought that up because I sat down with my wife, Bonnie, to oh, nice. watch this, who has never played a tabletop role-playing game. Certainly, she has been exposed to a few, um, but, uh, but she loves Paul F. Tompkins, and Paul F. Tompkins is the first celebrity guest in the first episode, um, and... Uh, and she like really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we were laughing a lot, and uh, so I think you're right. I think that theory about like people who, even if you're unfamiliar, will get a lot of entertainment out of this is absolutely true. It's basically improv, right? Like it's basically watching people do improv, and your yeah. randomizer is a die, which is really fun and and cool. That, that's uh, how we do. That's true. Alex Basso, uh, what did you think of Harmon Quest? Uh, you watched all of it, right? I did watch all of it. I uh, had to make sure to finish it before my one-week trial uh, CISO was up, <laughs> and it was it was quite easy to do. I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I will say that, mm-hmm. you know, like any TV show, there are some episodes I did not enjoy, and I think the big thing is, for me, the guests really played a huge part in how much I enjoyed the show and who specifically was on, and not only that, what character they were playing. I really love that a lot of the guests didn't play just like party members. A lot of times they, they played, they were almost like just interactive NPCs. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like instead of the dungeon master playing this character, which they normally would in the game, it's your special guest star. And they were allowed to, you know, they clearly had objectives that were given to them um, and ways that they were supposed to try to influence the story. But the way they were just able to improv on it and uh, you know make it a, a comedy experience was really fun. And like Vegas said, the animation uh, is great. It really goes a long way of just like it, it made me think of my D and D experience. And you know when I'm imagining the game as it takes place, it, it does such a great job of portraying what's going on, and then makes some great funny jokes with it. So if this show, you know, if this show was just them playing i don't think i would enjoy it nearly as much uh the animation is a huge part of that uh, why i actually like that yeah yeah you know i think you are absolutely right about the animation and it is i mean it really is the animators are are having a a great time with it as well uh greg uh how about you it sounds like you really enjoyed uh this as well is that right yeah i mean i'm not i think i've said this a few few different times on twitter when talking about how much i love has public will travel 
but I don't generally like watching videos or pod listening to podcasts and stuff. I like to read stuff. I get bored usually with videos because I get impatient. But this held my attention, and I was really engaged and just entertained, and even you know just straight up actually laughing. A bunch, not just like, oh, haha, that's funny. Like, it made me laugh. And I'm not super lucky in finding stuff that does that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just picky. Maybe I'm just cranky. I don't know. But I really enjoyed it. And the, the production's really good. I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Spencer, Spencer Crittenden, who has the best last name for a DM ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I feel like he handles them pretty well. And obviously, we don't know how much, right? How much hits the editing room floor? But I, I like him reading out of his little book, the descriptions, and everything. Just everything about this show really kind of pulled me in, and I was honestly a little surprised because, like Vegas, I didn't really have interest in actual plays or videos and stuff like that in general. But I enjoyed it, and I was—I think the animation helps a lot with that too because it is really funny. Nice, Alex. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to also say, I, I, in a previous podcast, I think I mentioned that I also don't really enjoy actual plays. This show really feels like, you know, it's obvious that the people behind it have succeeded at making television shows and know how to get a successful, entertaining 21 minutes in there. And it, it definitely, it feels like it's another level of quality that is yet to be done in these actual play podcasts. And, you know, their goal is to entertain you from the start uh, and it's always doing that. So outside of have spellbook will travel. You outside mean, of have, well, yeah, the actual play podcast have okay. spellbook will travel. So I want to make sure that's clear. You know, there are enjoyable aspects, but this is clearly a TV production type yeah, level. They, they got their stuff together. Mm-hmm. It made me laugh out loud while watching it alone a few times, which I feel like is a very high watermark for a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that is that is very true. If you can laugh while you are alone, um, that means the comedy is real, right? Um, you you are actually laughing at something uh, and not just doing it because there's people around you. And it's certainly, I mean, there's certainly something to be said for any show that is made by someone who makes television professionally is probably going to be doing it better than anyone else. You know, the production values on this are incredible uh and not just the animation also you know the the way it's shot when they're all sitting at the table is uh is pretty great for what it is so you definitely have to to hand it to dan Harmon, who has set all this up for for doing that and the people at CISO uh and vegas you wanted to talk about CISO for a little bit which um you know we are not sponsored by CISO or anything but I will throw out there that if you're interested and you you can catch the first episode of Harmon Quest on YouTube, we'll link it in the show notes. At the yeah, it's on the YouTubes. That's uh, where I thought, guys. Yeah, if you want to see the rest and you have an Amazon Prime account, you can get uh, a week of CISO for free. Uh, unlimited yep. access for a week for free where you could easily watch all of these episodes just like Alex Basso. Uh, so, Vegas, why don't you talk about CISO for a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I've been interested for a while in signing up for a CISO account because CISO is uh, like a Netflix, 
but just for weird alternative comedy. And they're producing their own original content, which is cool. Um, if you listen to some of the more popular comedy podcasts, they're out on the Internet. Uh, a lot of them are sponsored by CISO or have people who are making their own shows for CISO, which is cool. Um, there is some stuff that kind of bugged me about it. Like most almost any streaming service, you can uh, download an app and watch it on your smart TV or watch it from your PlayStation 3 or something like that. And I was not able to do that with CISO. I had to watch it just straight from my computer. And I thought that was a little weird for um, a streaming platform. So yeah. they don't have their own app. But if you have Amazon Video or Amazon Prime account and you subscribe through that, you can watch it on the Amazon Video app, which is what I did. Yeah, that's what we did. Uh, okay. That's cool. Just, there's I guess there's that... an alternative to... To what you were saying. Yeah, I guess that saves them some engineering costs or something like that. It is cheap. It's only four bucks yeah. a month, which is uh, really cheap. Yeah. Kids in the Hall. It's all of Kids in the Hall. All of Monty Python. All of Saturday Night Live, I think, is on there, too. It's yeah. NBC, so. Yeah, and there's original content, too. There's yeah. uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties, yeah, 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 yeah. which is another Paul F. Tompkins uh, thing. Um, uh, last night I watched a few episodes of the Cyanide and Happiness show, which is based on that webcomic. Yeah, it, they... it was good. It was like a cartoon sketch show. It was really funny. And, I uh, mean, I was kind of intrigued before, but Cyanide and Happiness maybe just sold me $4 a month. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't, uh, right, Jonah Ray has a travel show on there? Yes, um, that's right. It's kind of also kind of a parody show. Mm-hmm. to those like see the united states things i'm pretty sure you can get the first two months free as well like they want people in so badly so if you do a little research you can probably get it pretty like get a substantial trial yeah for five bucks yeah and it's hard to find uh television comedy you know it seems like it's it's not as popular these days uh so if you care about comedy um the CISO is a great place to check it out and there's a there's a free trial right now so um you know definitely uh give it a shot and support great content like harman quest uh Speaking of great content, we're going to shift gears a little bit uh, and talk about Stranger Things. Uh, So I'm sure if you play Dungeons & Dragons, uh, someone in the last month has mentioned Stranger Things to you. Somebody told me that I should definitely watch it, and I was was putting it off because I was like, ah, I'm so busy, I have all these things to do. Uh, But it's uh, it's only eight episodes, and once I started, I really could not. Put it down. Uh, it is uh, as, and I am not the first person to describe it this way, nor am I the millionth. Uh, it is John Carter meets Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg. Um, so there's sort of elements of all of those things and the 80s going throughout. Winona Ryder is in it, uh, and uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, so uh, a lot of uh, great acting, a lot of kid actors who look like kids. There's sort of three plot lines that are all directly related to each other um, that uh, that we don't really need to get into too much right now because someone on this panel uh, has uh, has actually not seen any of Stranger Things yet. So Vegas, 
we do not want to spoil uh, Stranger Things for you, but we will say that Dungeons & Dragons is heavily involved, and we probably will get into some tertiary spoilers, so if you're concerned about... If you want to stay completely free, again, this is your warning. But Sorry, anyway, guys. Uh, uh, oh, Vegas. <laughs> uh, kids play. Uh, kids are playing D&D in the 80s. Um, that's sort of the, the first time we meet these kids who are some of the stars of the show. Uh, and, uh, and they're having a battle with Demogorgon. And then this idea of Demogorgon uh, is more popular throughout. There's certainly some D&D-esque themes about you know, um, being part of a party and going on adventures and what that means. Uh, there uh, is a extensive conversation about the plane of shadow, uh, the shadow veil. Uh, so there's there's a lot of D and D references uh, happening here, and it has sort of made D and D explode in the media. My news alert is going off ten times a day with Stranger Things stuff still. We figured now was a good time to talk about it since many people have probably already seen it. Alex Basso, why don't we start with you? Stranger I like Things. Uh, what, what did you think of Stranger Things and how did you think uh, D&D was integrated? So I really enjoyed Stranger Things, uh, surprisingly, because when it first came out, I saw, I don't remember specifically what it was, but someone said it was like the Goonies meets, I don't know, some sort of scary movie. And I hate the Goonies. So much. I hate. <laughs> I, I hate things that involve little kids like saving the world. It's just he, no. Yeah, I he really it. hates the Goonies a lot. Uh, so I I'm so tempted to have a side discussion, but I will let it slide. <laughs> I know you it's know an the Goonies didn't save the world, right? At all. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> That's not. I don't like what. Goonies are stupid. Save the world. <laughs> they oh, stop the enough. asteroid. I guess it's the other Basso that's going to make all the controversial statements on this episode. Well, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay, I don't like kids uh, doing things adults should do. Okay, whatever, whatever. Let's not go too much into that. So I, I was, uh, I was worried that it, this would be like completely focused on the kids, and it's not. They're just one of like James said. There's like three kind of storylines, and they're probably one of the smaller ones, and they don't do anything like that crazy. Um, Whoa, spoilers. Well, I'm just, they're not like. <sighs> we're we're going to get into some, again, mild spoiler territory. I'm just, yeah. I'm just pulling your leg. What out. they I'm can do you. is realistic as to what kids yeah. should be able yeah. to do. They in seem this like situation. a bunch of. Like, everything they accomplish is based on the fact that these are a bunch of little nerds and mm. they would know nerdy <laughs> things. Um, I like that. So they're, cool. they're kind of like, they bring more of like the science, the smart stuff and the knowledge of like. D and D, you know, like James said, Shadow Vale plays a big part about it, and they know about it. They're really afraid of the monster. Um, the fact that they always talk about not splitting the party—well, not always—but they it is brought up. They they can't split the party, and it's clear how much these kids, like the D and D experience, has brought them together, and they really feel like a group that just connects, and they're always watching each other's back. And I'm not someone who played D and D as a kid, so I don't know if that. You know, people really felt that strong connection, but it is great to just see that, you know, playing in their basement in this imaginary adventure makes these kids such close friends that they're they're always willing to stick out their necks for each other. It's uh, that's how I feel really about you guys. Aww, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks, Vegas. Uh, so go ahead, Greg. Yeah, just so just to throw a little context in there, 
I'm not that old where I was a kid playing D and D in '84 <laughs> or whatever. But if you're not as familiar with the historical context, I think it makes a lot of like we we live in a time now where there are TV shows with D and D in it, right? Whereas previously, D and D was the tool of Satan, and you know, very ostracizing. You know, that's kind of stuff. It was not accepted as like a normal okay thing to do, and I think they highlight that to pretty cool effect. So I like how they show these kids sticking together and, you know, the bullies picking on them for being weirdos and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, there are other reasons for the bullies to stereotypically pick on them as well. But I liked how they did illustrate that part. So I think it makes sense, Alex. You know, even if you weren't a kid back then, you kind of see, eh, that doesn't make you the cool kid in the 80s. To play D and D, yeah, and there's you know when whenever they uh, their parents are trying to talk to them about it, like they're they're stumbling over words and they're clearly not really understanding. Uh, but then uh, they they ask their nerdy science teacher about it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the the plane of shadows. I know all about that." Like, and it's clear he also plays D and D, which I think is uh, is like a really fun nod that like, "Oh yeah, the the nerds all." get together, which gives it part of its its Stephen King kind of feel. You know, if you're familiar with the story of It, you know, that's a, a bunch of early kids who are plagued by horrendous bullies, um, and, and this sort of feels that same way. Uh, so, Greg, uh, what did you think about the sort of intersection of D&D and Stranger Things? So, I'm only three episodes in, um... And actually, my wife is upstairs lamenting the fact that I'm on this podcast right now because she wants to be watching Stranger Things. So I'm sure we're going to get... Isn't that awesome? Um, So I'm sure I'm going to be a lot more than three episodes in in the next day or so. But I really like it a lot so far. I mean, the intersection... When they dropped the Demogorgon, I knew it was coming, but I still thought it was really cool. Um, Hearing them talking about you know, the strats at the table and seeing how the the DM kid was pushing them, essentially. You know, it was, it was legit how a table would run, I think. You know, the party members are all arguing about, oh, what do we do, this, 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 and the DM's prodding them along. Like, you hear the Demogorgon's footsteps and all this kind of stuff. It's, it was so cool. I really got a, got a kick out of that. And then to see how they approach everything and the thread kind of weaves in and out, but it's not it's not obnoxious. It's not in your face over the top, I don't think. It's just an aspect of the story. It's a little nod. It's important to these kids, and they, they integrate it very uh, naturally, mm-hmm. I think. So props to the writers for that. Yeah, yeah. it felt like the writers really knew, right, D&D. They, they really understood how it was played. It wasn't some, you know, like, I think this is it, and we'll go from here, uh, you know. Uh, interpretation of D&D. Somebody did research. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that, uh, it's funny that you brought it up, one of the devices that I really like is there's this thing in movies uh, referred to as saving the cat, right? Where if you have a main character you want people to care about very quickly, you have to have them do something nice like save a cat um, so that the audience immediately understands like they're a good person that I should root for. It's a little bit of a spoiler to say that at the very beginning of the first episode, before the credits even roll, um, one of this group is 
shall we say, in, in trouble, right? Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're taken away um, in some way. And the way they go about saving the cat with this kid and showing you that this kid is a good person is he rolls a die that lands on the floor and he's the only one who sees it. And some other kids are telling him, like, oh, you should, you know, he needed a 13 for his fireball to succeed against Demogorgon. And, it, you know, the other kids are saying, you should just tell him it, that, that that's what it was. Tell him that your DM, that's what it was. And we see him tell the DM before he has to go home, you know, I, did, I rolled a 7. I didn't get the 13 I needed. And that's the way they save the cat is by having yeah. a kid not lie about his die roll, and it totally works. I don't know if it's because yeah. I play a lot of games that I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Uh, but you you instantly got like, oh, this kid is good and honest. And but it, it's, it's so effective because it's such a simple thing. You know, it's not, it's not this ham-fisted grand gesture. He just says, you know, this is what it was, by the way. You know, and then he leaves. Uh, so I'm the only one who took that as a negative. The kid messed <laughs> up. <laughs> Munchkin Basso over here. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree with you, James. I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the first episode because it was so simple, mm-hmm. but it said so much about this kid. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Uh, Rudy, uh, why don't uh, why don't we talk to you? You and I talked about this a little last week. I understand there are certainly in other points perhaps some some narrative issues uh, with Stranger Things that we talked about. Uh, but what do you think about the intersection of D&D and Stranger Things? I think it's great. I don't know if it fits as significant as the community is kind of making it out to be. That was just my <laughs> opinion. Like... It comes up maybe once an episode. And as you mentioned, James, you know, the Shadow Veil is a big part of it. And that the theme of the party is definitely there. But I'm just, I'm a little hesitant to be like, oh, yeah, D&D, big part of Stranger Things. I think there's a lot of other things going on that are more at the forefront. Um, Although I will say that the minion, uh, minion enemies from 4th Edition make an appearance the uh, instantly defeated from one attack <laughs> seem to be there um, yeah i wish um yeah it's good i wish the show was a bit spookier i could go for some more ghosties some more spooks uh in general but i i like it a lot um that was my takeaway and like see i see articles that like how D should be the influence for every show like stranger things is and i'm like i, I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, Greg. So I I wish I had thought of this before. Uh, but, Rudy, you did make me think of something. Uh, Vegas, having not seen the show, yeah. I'm curious what your expectation would be. We've sort of talked about it a little bit already. But based on the, the news and what's flying around, people say, I'm curious kind of what you would have expected, Vegas. Trying to keep it objective based on our comments. Uh, that's a great question because I uh, have had about 15 friends recommend this show, uh, whether personally or on Facebook. Uh, I keep hearing how amazing it is. And I was not aware that D&D was a big part of it. Uh, I was aware that like 80s nostalgia uh, was a big part of it, but... 
I don't know that, well, it's hard to say, but I, I don't think the greater public is aware of Stranger Things as a D&D focused show, if I'm not aware of that. And I actually, I think, mm-hmm. I think Rudy is probably right that there uh, people within the D and D community uh, may be saying there's more of a D and D focus than there is. Uh, as far as like direct D and D references, uh, there is. There's probably about one in episode. Maybe there's a few where there's like maybe a, a couple more uh, bigger references. But um, but yeah, for the most part, you know, it's like and it's cool. It's very cool that it's there, and it's clearly an influence on these kids. But yeah, there's also you know there's a, a fair amount of references to the clash as well um you know so it's not just mm. uh I, I wouldn't say it's a D show so much as D plays a role within the show is that fair yokes i love me a pun yeah i would agree with that. i would agree to that so far um i would just i'm gonna bring dan Harmon back around again and say it's not like this is community the D episode the series mm-hmm. at all you know they're little nods and it shapes how these kids work a little bit, but it's it feels so organic, and the show is so much more than that. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to cheapen it by saying, "Oh yeah, it's it's so D and D." You know, even my lady, you know, we watched it and she didn't catch what they're playing right away, right? Like it's not they're not hitting you over the head with it. If you've ever played D and D or an RPG, you know immediately what they're doing. But it's not like they're making a big deal out of it. They're just doing their thing. Yeah, which is the mark of, of good writing. And they're not trying to shove it down anybody's throat. Uh, but I don't know. Vegas, I mean, I know you like good storytelling. You like, uh, you certainly enjoy things that are are uh, thrilling and spooky. So what, what do you think based on uh, not just what you've heard here, but what you've heard from other people? Are you going to check out Stranger Things? Uh, yeah, I've had enough people I respect say that it's a great show, that it is uh, on my list. That being said, I just finished Breaking Bad this weekend. Um, oh, God. So my list break. is a little backed up. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, nice. I got, I got the impression that Stranger Things was more of like, uh, I, I kept getting like an E.T. feeling from it. Mm. Um I don't know if that's correct or not. That's just from the cover art on Netflix. And uh, I guess people saying, like you said, James, that it has a Steven Spielberg kind of influence. Yeah. No, it's like if E.T. was a monster instead of a friend. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say the monster's the E.T. of the the show. There is an E.T.-like character. I will will say that out of the people I've seen... D&D circles, generally, the most of where the discussion is going on. But the folks who haven't liked it have generally complained that it's shooting too much for that straight nostalgia shot. Like, oh, look, that's, that's an E.T. moment. Or this is that moment. Oh, this is the 80s thing. That's so cool. Um, you know, like, they felt like it was too heavy-handed in that. Um, so far, right, three episodes in, I don't feel that way. There are a couple shots where the guy guys simmer down with the bicycles a little bit but other than that i don't think it's too much but i also think the bicycles are just like you know no bicycles uh 
are flying across full moons. You know what I mean? Right. Like, bikes well, are, but there's a, were just part of how people got around in the eighties. If you were twelve, I feel like there's a couple. There's a couple of shots where the framing and the composition, to me, felt a little forced in terms of like. You know, I said half shoot it that way. That seems strongly reminiscent of a little of that ET action. But I mean, what, once or twice? Sure. Not that serious. Uh, Rudy? There's like 20 minutes in the last episode that is a better Aliens movie than Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that's not super hard, Rudy. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, touche. Prometheus was the worst. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's you had said any of the other Alien movies. That would have been a little stuck. I would say uh, that's a high compliment from Rudy, the biggest aliens lover I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think um, one of the great ways that I have heard this described is that the kids are in more of a Stephen King movie, you know, because he has a lot of themes about childhood and and what it's actually like to be a kid you know and and what it's like to be away from your parents and not have them know you know being a kid in the 80s is a little different than what being a kid now is like you had a lot more um you had to be a lot more self-reliant i guess in many ways uh you were allowed to go out on your own a lot more seems like that's not a thing we we have kids do as much um yeah and then, uh, you know, that the teenagers, there's this teenage section, they're in kind of like a John Carpenter-style horror movie. Uh, and that the the actual parents, that there's a, you know, they're not, um, well, yeah, one of them is a parent and, uh, and the police chief are sort of in a Steven Spielberg movie because their whole thing is about having hope and you know they can do magical things like knock somebody out with one punch um you know it's a, it's a little more fantastical and that those themes overlap then throughout right that it's one is not purely one that you know they all blend together kind of nicely and and blur those lines but that that was uh, the way i heard it described on npr pop culture happy hour uh greg i was about to compliment you on your amazing critical analysis um, so props to that, I guess. Uh, I was going to say that I laughed when you said about the kids having more freedom and more ability to be self-reliant because that was one of my wife's first reactions. I was like, what? what? How, how can they ride home like that? What? What? What is this? You know, and she, she was so shocked. But I, I like that you mentioned the sheriff because even just in the first two or three episodes – what the writers have done with them, him has been so good. I think I really, I don't know. Did you guys feel like the sheriff was the characterization and in the development over the course? Obviously you've seen more of it than I have. Do you feel like it was uh, organic and, and good? Or do you feel like it was forced? Cause I thought the way they revealed the aspects of his character so far were really, really good. I, I think it's a little cliche to have the drunken sheriff who becomes incredibly competent when the tough case is put in front of him, but there's definitely more there. But they explain it a little bit. Okay. They do. There's more there too, that you will see that I think fleshes him out a bit more. But my initial uh, thoughts on him were like, Oh, okay. So now he's really good at his job. Gotcha. Uh, I did want to also say that James to your enter Greg's point about life being different. There's a part where a 17 year old buys four 
boxes of handgun bullets. That <laughs> was pretty amusing. That might be an Indiana thing, though. I yeah, don't know. You could still do that. Just okay. not in the state we live in. Sure. <laughs> right, just not in, in the Northeast. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's definitely, right, and, and a bunch of other dangerous things along with it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there there is this feel of, like, uh, kids, I don't want to necessarily say having more freedom, but but being more on their own, um, you know, and uh, which is funny because the world currently in the United States is right. It's safer than it's ever been as far as crime rates and things like that go. But yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I actually I think that you're right, Rudy, the drunk sheriff is a little cliche, but I do think that that's intentional. Like it's like, OK, let's start with this. And then we'll show you more. And it's not so much that he's bad at his job, in my mind, more that he has never... He just doesn't care. He's never had to, you know, this is the... Once all this stuff starts happening in town, it's like, he used to be a big city cop, right? Yeah. And was supposed to be really good at that. And then he leaves when something happens in his life to take a quieter kind of job. And now he's got to use those big city skills again. He's turning it back on. (laughs) <laughs> but like even that, so I wasn't gonna get the specifics. But even that, like they they give you a little coffee drips to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not here's an exposition scene. Oh, let's learn about the sheriff. You know, they reveal it pretty natural. I, I guess I'm just really enjoying the writing of the show. Is what it comes down to. That's great. The D and D stuff is cool, but it's just a really good show. Vegas. Can I ask what made you guys watch the show to begin with? Because I. I keep hearing people recommend the show, but it, and I'm sure it's great because I mm-hmm. respect everyone who recommends it, but it looks and sounds dumb to me. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm it was a new Netflix it. show. That's what's so, and I heard it was spooky. So I was in. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Okay. Yeah, I just eventually gave in to the sheer amount of people I had seen who were recommending it and talking about how great it was. So, like, when it was just D&D people initially, I'm like, oh, it's just a D&D thing. People are just happy to see D&D. Then I saw, like, all my non-D&D friends start recommending it on Facebook. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll check it out. So, for me, it was, I had heard about it, uh, a lot of chatter on G+, and Twitter and stuff, Um, but... I finally said, okay, yeah, I'll watch this when James said, hey, we're going to talk about this. Um, so I guess I was the the most reluctant. We just don't watch a lot of stuff these days, honestly. But holy cow, I'm so glad we talked about it because now I'm going to finish watching the rest of it probably before Saturday, maybe Sunday. I'm always curious how things like this catch on seemingly overnight. I think Rudy hit it, hit it on the head. Netflix has been knocking it out of the park. With most of their show, I think that's the general consensus. I've only seen one of them, but in general, it seems like Netflix has been knocking it out of the park. So they came out with a new original series, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, let's check it out!" And then from there, it came out. I think Rudy would agree with me that BoJack Horseman is the best. Uh, I would disagree with you. <laughs> He's got so much character development, Rudy. What's the problem, BoJack? <laughs> Are you kidding? Okay. We don't. That's another yeah, conversation, say, that is a, that which is, we're going to have after episode, this is over. But another different podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We can fit it into the next one. Uh, it's next wonderfully time. dark. Bojack Horseman, wonderfully dark. But I think 
Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna stick it here. Uh, we want to know what people out there think about uh, Harmon Quest and about Stranger Things. Uh, uh, hit us up over at Facebook.com/slash/TheTomeShow or uh, in the show notes for this episode at TheTomeShow.com. Greg, what is up? Oh, I just wanted to say, if I, if I didn't say something about this, I would have been upset. The music is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, and, just want to throw that out there. And within Go. the, you know, they're they're really sticking hard to that '80s thing. Uh, and '80s music is hard to make anything other than ridiculous. Um, and they do a good job with it. They really do a, a great job so with good. synths and moogs and things like that. It's awesome. I just wanted to say that because it really made a huge impression on me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree too. And it, probably. Uh, dare I say one of the greatest opening title sequences uh, I have seen in a long time. So, uh, before we go, uh, where can people find you, Rudy Basso? Hey, I'm on Twitter, at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. These guys and I all have a podcast on this network called D&D V&G, which is like video games. That was the whole idea. Yeah, it's the, video uh, game title. where the title's all about Vegas and Greg. <laughs> sure, fine. Um, that's kind of monthly-ish. The new episode is definitely out by now. Uh, and the next one will be coming out soon. And then I have another podcast called Have Spellbook Will Travel. We kind of alluded to it a few times. It is a fantasy comedy radio play inspired by the Dungeons & Dragons games I've played with many of the gentlemen on this podcast. The website is Have Spellbook. Uh, plea.com have spellbook.com please go check it out uh, and give it a listen I write it with James uh, Vegas is in it Alex is in it it's great it is uh, it's super super great uh, and it is a labor of love now is a perfect time to jump in uh, you can absolutely. binge the 20 minute episodes um, you know uh, so so definitely check out have spellbook at have spellbook.com uh, Alex Basso where can people find you yeah, so along with those places Rudy just mentioned, you can check me out on my Twitter at yo underscore Alex Basso. Yeah, he's even got a real avatar now, kind of. I mean, that's been there for months. Come on, Greg. Come on. We, we wouldn't be able to tell from the tweets you don't do. Why does this always have to come up? I wanted to just get a quick, just plug my Twitter and then go to the next one person, but nope. I mean, we can cut this out. There's no editing it. There's no way to edit this. Oh, God. <laughs> it's at tomshow.com slash live episode. <laughs> oh. uh, I just realized my mic was muted that whole time because I was I had to cough. And I was trying to say, no, no, we're going to keep all that in. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so we're definitely keeping all of that in. Uh, Vegas Lancaster, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Vegas Lancaster. I'm in these podcasts that my friends who you've already heard produce sometimes. Uh, and if you like Harmon Quest and other kinds of live comedy and you're in the Philadelphia area, come see my improv comedy troupe, The End Crowd. We're the longest running comedy show in Philadelphia and we have a show every Friday night. And uh, if you like Whose Line Is It Anyway, you would love this show too. 
Excellent. Yeah, I had uh, some people at Gen Con tell me that uh, they had come to the end crowd uh, and you were not performing the night that they went. Um, no, but, I'm so sorry. Nerds. <laughs> uh, but that they liked it so much that they went back a second time and you were not there the second time, but they still did. <laughs> <it. laughs> uh, secrets out. Vegas doesn't actually do it. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. The first Friday of every month, I'm doing a musical comedy show, which, I don't know, follow my Twitter or something. Find out about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, definitely follow Vegas Lancaster on Twitter. Greg Blair, where can people find you? Howdy. Well, so, Vegas, just a side note, I can never not think of you as Vegas Ghost Lancaster after Twitter Halloween 2015, maybe. Um, so that's every, that's what I always hear. But you can catch me on Twitter. I like Twitter a lot. At NTS underscore QPOP. It's QPOP. Um, and also, I would like to heartily endorse, as the only person who on this podcast right now who's not involved with House Spellbook, it's really, really good. And I don't like listening to people talk, generally, or do <laughs> things. Um, as I've mentioned before, and even someone as grumpy as me, really enjoys it and has confused people in my office by laughing out loud. So you should check out Half Spellbook. That's and right. They're come. like, Greg, he doesn't like joy. What's happening over there? <laughs> uh, I enough. had a great thing that I wanted to say about the show, about Stranger Things. I forgot. Uh, Mike Shea had a really funny tweet that was like, that Demi Gorgon miniature is from 2004. Who did the research on this show? And I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a little anachronism. Uh, sure. Thanks to Mike Shea for always uh, getting our Demigorgon miniatures. Correct. Now this, this show is now ruined for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable today. Thank you, James. Ugly kisses for Thank you. Yeah, this was, it was fun. This was oh, so fun to talk to you guys. You too. And before we go, it's time for our DM's Guild pick of the episode. My DM's Guild pick for this week is the Tower of the Mad Mage from the very prolific, always awesome M.T. Black. Uh, This is an adventure for first-level characters uh, that is highly reviewed. It's got five stars. Uh, It is available for $1.50. That is a steal. It's got art. It's got all kinds of great stuff in it, new creatures. Uh, And it is the Tower of the Mad Mage. The door slams open so hard that the wall shakes and the hinges groan. To everyone's astonishment, a goblin staggers in. He is badly wounded with dried blood covering about half his body. Only a moment before the air was full of the rattle of dice, the slap of cards, the cries of victory and defeat. Now the gambling golem is dead silent. The goblin lurches towards your table, then collapses right in front of you. Help me! He croaks, looking up with bloodshot eyes. I'll make you rich! That is the beginning of the Tower of the Mad Maids. There's a direct link to this adventure over in the show notes at thetomeshow.com for this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, the original Roundtable crew, Greg Blair, Vegas Lancaster, Alex Basso, and of course, Rudy Basso. 
All right, people, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the D&D 5th edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the Roundtable.